0: Stafford fires, he's picked! Intercepted by Russell Douglas for the touchdown! I
1: don't mean to get upset, but I'm not, you know, I have total confidence and belief in Matthew Stafford. Everybody wants to throw out six turnovers. All of those have a totally different story, and not all of those are his fault.
0: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, brewers, badgers, bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
1: I uh I put together a little list here. Let me hold on. A uh, list of things that we have done. I'm just assuming here. Things that we've done since the Rams last won a football game. You have taken your kids trick-or-treating. We have celebrated our men and women in uniform, Veterans Day. Uh, You have gone deer hunting. You've celebrated Thanksgiving. If you are Catholic, there is a whole litany of holidays. Holy Days of Observation. Talk about All Souls Day, right? Things like that. It's, It's been a month. The last game that the Rams won was against the Texans. On the 31st of October. The Rams keep losing. They've now lost three in a row, including, of course, to the Packers yesterday. That's the whole point of this exercise. The Packers win. And win kind of going away. 36-28. And I know that it was a one-score game at the end, and there were certainly some ups and downs. Of course, the special teams are always a trip, but just something to think about. Did you ever really feel like the Packers were going to lose this game yesterday? Just something to think about. Something to chew on. As you watched, what was your level of concern? I'll tell you what. I decorated my Christmas tree during this game. So I, I was pretty easy going. I wasn't very stressed out during this game. And I know it was close in moments here and there. And there were some frustrating moments. Like I said, special teams, the Packers gave up a couple of deep shots. But at any point during this game yesterday, did you feel like the Packers were going to lose? Probably not. And that's great for the Packers as they move to 9-3 going into the bye. That's also a terrible look for the Rams, a team that's acquired all this talent and is coming off of their bye after being embarrassed two straight losses going into the bye, and yet it never really seemed like they had a chance yesterday. Also, the Badgers played on Saturday, but who really cares? I'm a college basketball guy now. You know this if you've been listening to the show. So college football, hardly even know her. Not even... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was that was bad. We'll talk about that, too. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you had a fantastic, excellent, heartwarming Thanksgiving weekend. Got to see some friends and family. I was lucky enough to be able to see both. And I went back to my hometown and it was just excellent. I feel like a recharged battery. I hope you feel the same way as well. And I'm glad you're here because we have a lot to talk about today. No guests. None. And if you watched the video that I posted on Twitter or I threw up on the Wisco Sports Show Facebook page, there's two reasons why I didn't book a guest today. Number one, and this is the biggest reason, I forgot to ask somebody. <laughs> the, produ- the producer for the show is lacking. The producer is also me. There is no producer. So I, I didn't reach out to anyone. But also, I found that on the day after a Packer game or a really big Badger game or I guess maybe even after a Bucks playoff game, right, we want to react. We want to get it out all of our system. Today is not the day to ask the expert, Today is not the day to talk to the reporter for the inside scoop. We can do that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but Monday, my head is overflowing with thoughts and yours probably is too. We don't need another voice. We don't need a guest, an expert. (laughs) No. So we have two hours, lots of space for you to call in, tweet in, text in. The number to do so is 608-796-2558 and Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can follow and tweet at me there. I do want to talk about the Badgers and the Gophers. Um, Really nothing specific to that game because that game sucked. And Gophers fans, yes, you won that game. And all props to the players. I really hate seeing P.J. Fleck win anything. But to the players and the fans, that's that's great props. It's cool to win a rivalry game, and I'm not going to be salty about that. But the game just gave us nothing. Like the, <laughs> the Badgers didn't even score an offensive touchdown. The Gopher, I mean, those were not two good teams on display on Saturday. That was not a quality football game to talk about. So I want to do a big-picture conversation about the Badgers and really what their season means. And I think I've been able to boil it down into a question that I think is pretty concise and gets at the heart of this Badgers season. And I'm going to ask you that question at about 4.35. But if you are only listening now and you won't be listening at 4.35, or uh, maybe you're listening on the podcast tomorrow, the next day, Um, that's always available in the podcast. Uh, Just find it wherever you find your other pods. It's there. Wisco Sports Show. I want to start with the Packers. As a Wisconsin radio guy, it's the Wisco Sports Show, and as an analyst, I say loosely, who talks about Wisconsin sports and Wisconsin teams, this game is a difficult one to tackle because I'm supposed to talk about the Packers and break down what the Packers did well and talk about their performance and what about the Packers' offense and the Packers' defense and the Packers' play. The Packers, right? But I don't think the Packers were really the story of yesterday's game. I mean, they, were, they were fine. They are picking up 5.1 yards per play, Aaron Rodgers completed just over 60% of his passes. I mean, nothing was otherworldly. They didn't blow my mind really in any regard yesterday. That doesn't mean they were average or poor, but it's not like they ran away with it and look like some rock star smash mouth football team that's bound for the Super Bowl. Maybe they do go to the Super Bowl, maybe not. But yesterday they they were fine. They were fine, right? The story of the game yesterday to me is about the Rams and why they lost and why they have lost three in a row. But that's okay. Because I think when we begin to talk about why the Rams lost and understanding what's going wrong for the Rams the last few weeks, we can begin to understand why the Packers won and why the Packers, despite injuries and despite a late bye and despite all these other things, they keep winning. Because I think the Rams and their failures right now are a direct inverse of the Packers and why they keep winning despite all the factors that are up against them. So i want to start with the Rams and then that can parlay us into the Packers. I know the word identity is thrown around a lot. You listen to sports radio or watch sports TV. It's like, what's the team's identity? Like if you watch Boston Celtics games, uh, Marcus Smart is the heart and soul. He's the identity of this team. Or we hear that with Brad Davison too. And we hear that in football and in all sports, we talk about identity. And most of the time it's cliche. Most of the time it doesn't mean anything. Because the Celtics aren't going to win or lose on the shoulders of Marcus Smart. Their coach and their new organization and the way they're doing things, they're going to win or lose championships based on how they handle Tatum and Brown. Marcus Smart is a fun side story, and he'd be the heart and soul. But identity, who cares? Most of the time, identity is a cliche. But today, in late November, and we're going to be in December soon, and when we're talking about the Rams, I think it matters. I think identity is really important because the Rams have been quite good the last few years. They made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. And I think somewhere in the last couple of months, the Rams, between Les Snead, the general manager, and Sean McVay, the head coach, and maybe even Stan Kroenke, the owner, they've forgotten why they were good in the first place and why they made that Super Bowl in the first place. right? Because after they lost to San Francisco, I brought this up. We talked about this. The Rams have been losing themselves in the shuffle of everything that's been going on and all the moves that they're making because they're all in. They've lost themselves along the way. When they added OBJ and everyone's celebrating Odell Beckham to LA, well, Robert Woods goes down and Robert Woods is not, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams, but he's so important to the Rams. They build so many concepts off of him and his physical, that what he can do blocking and what he can do physically, they build offense around him and they lost him. That's a huge piece of their team. They got Von Miller, and that's great. Yes, absolutely. Super Bowl MVP and was great against the Panthers. And he's one of the best Broncos players in the last couple of decades, right? Well, as they add Von Miller, they're coming off of the loss of Sebastian Joseph Day, who's missing significant time with an injury. He's probably their biggest piece outside of Aaron Donald, stopping the run. And stopping the run is a huge part of what they do. The Rams the last couple of years have won on defense, a sharp running game, great organization from the coach and the GM, and scheme. That's what's made them good. And you can see all of those things, one way or another, disappearing. They're going away from all those things. Defense is unstable. You can't bet on that to continue, so that's naturally going to regress. But now their running game isn't as good, and that's understandable. Their left tackle is 39 years old. Their offensive line isn't outstanding. They don't have Todd Gurley anymore. They have Sony Michelle, who they traded fourth and sixth for. Not really understanding what things cost and what things are valued in that equation. And then they have Daryl Henderson. Like their running game just isn't what it was. They're coaching his decade as well. Sean McVay is not a good decision maker. He really bungled the end of game yesterday. Now it might not have mattered, but it was a really bad look. They aren't a great deep threat team. They're not a throw the ball all over the yard team. They're not the greatest show on turf. Two years ago, they were successful off their running game and defense and great organization skills with their GM and their coach and their scheme. They've gone away from all of that. And I noticed this. This became clear to me after the game yesterday when Fox is showing a highlight package to explain Odell Beckham and Stafford and are they connecting yet? And they have these montage of clips of, oh, they're not on the same page. And here they target him here, 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 here. Stop. That is so far down the list of problems for the Rams. Whether or not OBJ and Stafford are on the same page. That's so far down the list of issues plaguing this team currently. And that's the problem. That's the issue for the Rams. They've gotten away from what makes them, them. And as I said a couple of minutes ago, the Rams losing, not only yesterday, but the last couple of weeks. It really shows us and teaches us about the Packers, right? When we begin to talk about why the Rams are struggling, we can begin to understand why the Packers aren't, right? Like I said, the Packers didn't play outstanding football yesterday. They were just over five yards per play. That's not great. LA had 5.8, they ran a more efficient offense yesterday than the Packers did. Aaron Rodgers only completed 62% of his passes. He had a couple of dimes, but he also had a couple of misses, right? It was a mixed bag game from Rodgers, although those couple big plays, and they didn't turn the ball over, which is huge. I love A.J. Dillon, but he had 25 touches for 90 yards. It's not like he was breaking the game open yesterday. The Packers weren't running away with this. They weren't blowing the game open. Stafford didn't need any help blowing the game open. He did it himself. The Packers weren't amazing yesterday, but you know what? Unlike the Rams, the Packers know exactly who they are, and they know exactly what they do, and they know exactly what makes them good. And in the NFL, that's half the battle. Last week, we talked about understanding the assignment, right? I don't remember what in what context this was. I don't even remember what team we were talking about. But I said, hey, if you have a teacher who's your friend, or if you have a, a, a sibling or your significant other is a, is a teacher, whether it be in elementary school, middle school, at any level, all the way up to college, ask them hey when you have to give students a bad grade why 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 what's the what's the biggest reason you give students a bad grade it's not cuz students are lazy or stupid it's you know what it's cuz kids they rush through the assignment they don't read the instructions and the teacher's like look you did a good job but you didn't do what i asked right you didn't look at the instructions in the NFL half the battle is just understanding the instructions understanding the assignment what are we good at? What's our identity? What makes us good? And only when we understand that can we actually start to try to execute the game plan. The Packers know what they are. They know what makes them good. The Rams don't. The Rams don't have a clue right now. They're just like, well, we'll just get as many good players as possible and make it work. This ain't the NBA where you can just get Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade and then tuck in Joel Anthony and get some minutes from Norris Cole and win a title. That's not how this works, right? There's a lot more at play in football than in the NBA or even in baseball, a sport with no salary cap, and you can just add, 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 as the Dodgers have done, and obviously the Yankees have done historically too. The Packers know who they are, and they know what they do, and they know what they do well. The Packers run Matt LaFleur's offense, and it's clear. That's why Packers fans, we understand that MVS is really good and all these important things that he does, whereas somebody who only plays fantasy don't really understand the value of MVS. Or Alan Lazard, and Alan Lazard had a tough day catching the ball yesterday. But like Robert Woods, he is an important player around which the Packers design things because they can count on his blocking, they can count on his IQ being in the right place at the right time, and so much of football now is horizontal. We're running bubble screens, we're running RPOs, and you need players physically who can lock it down on the outside. Lazard is one of those guys, and the Packers know that. They use running backs as weapons. It's a huge part of what the Packers do. That's why they can go into Dallas without Devontae Adams and win. That's why they can go into Arizona without Adams, Lazard, and MVS and win. And you look at the box here, you're like, where the hell did the offense come from? Oh, he's running backs to catch the ball, to run the ball. They use him for everything. The Packers know that. They move Devontae Adams everywhere. They know that. And we're going to talk more about the offensive line. The offensive line is always maximized by Adam Stenovich. It's unreal. Whatever players they have out there, they're going to get the best possible version. And we know that. Rodgers runs his system. He mixes in some improv. Sometimes it's a little too much for my taste, but whatever. That's not what we're talking about. The Packers know who they are. I summed it up in like 60 seconds. They know who they are, and that's half the battle in the NFL. Just ask Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick will tell you, you know what? There's a lot of really dumb coaches. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks, and there's a lot of teams that will beat themselves if you simply stand aside, right? Just get out of the way. Don't make any mistakes. Let the other team step on their you-know-what, and you'll win a lot of football games that way. That's what the Packers did yesterday. They barely averaged more than five yards of play. They just controlled the clock. They possessed the ball. They didn't turn it over, and they're like, well, Stafford will throw us one. We might get lucky on special teams, and they did. Right. That, I mean, that's all it took. That was not an inspirational display of football yesterday. What it is, is an inspirational display from top to bottom. The Packers knowing who they are, what they do, and then going out and executing it. And I think they executed a B-minus version of themselves yesterday. But their identity is strong enough. That's enough to win. And the OBJ recruitment thing, to bring the Rams back into this, it's a shining example of the differences between the Rams and the Packers. The Packers brought in OBJ and said, look, here's what we're going to pay you. Here's what we're gonna have you do. Here's what we need from you. Here's the role you would play. And and if you don't want to do that, fine, go somewhere else. But that's that's what we do. We do it really well. And there's room for you here if you do what we ask. And the Rams are like, well, I, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll do this with you, and we'll try this, and we'll use you in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to have you, because the Rams don't know who they are. They don't know what they're doing. They're just like, ah, come on in. Which it's always good to get more talented players. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather have OBJ than not have OBJ. But it's not going to have the impact you think. The Rams didn't get better once they got OBJ. They're the same. Their issues are the same yesterday as they were three weeks ago, a month ago. I mean, the Rams, and not to make this some bash on the Rams session, but these are their wins. They beat the Bears. Okay. They beat the Colts barely in week two before the Colts really figured out who they are. They beat Tampa, which is impressive. Don't get me wrong. But since then, they've lost to Arizona. Arizona. They beat Seattle, which doesn't mean anything. They beat New York, which doesn't mean anything. They beat the Lions, which doesn't mean anything. They beat the Texans, which means nothing. And then they lost to the Titans badly, lost to the Niners badly, and then had a bye before coming back and getting rested and losing to Green Bay. This is what I'm talking about, right? The Rams don't know who they are. They're just like, well, we'll just get a bunch of good players and we'll work it out. That's not how it works. The Packers, not as talented. They're not as healthy. They're not as rested. But you know what? It didn't matter because... They know what they do, and they did a pretty good job of it yesterday. Packers didn't play the best version of their game, but they played their game, and that was enough to win yesterday. I want to talk more about this. I'm going to start taking calls as well. We have a new rule on the show. I'm sorry. I just don't take calls for the first 20 minutes. Let me set the stage. Let me build the foundation, and I'd love to start hearing from you. Send me a text. Give me a call, 608-796-2558. I want to talk about some injuries and what the Packers were dealing with going into the bye. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Our guys stayed focused and we talked about emptying the tank and I think we're at a point where everybody's pretty exhausted but it definitely feels
0: good going into the bye week on a win. We'll enjoy this for a while but we also know that there's a lot of ball in front of us and we've got to take advantage of each and every day when we're back in this building.
1: That is Matt LaFleur, of course. Packers beat the Rams yesterday. You've kind of heard my rant, my two cents on why that game went the way that it did and why the Packers are winning and why the Rams are losing. This is the Wisco Sports Show. The talk and text line is 608-796-2558. A couple of texts to get to. Um, Josh and Sparta, appreciate it. Rug. Robin Stoddard, uh, an excellent point he makes. He says the Packers motto for knowing what to do is thanks to G.I. Joe, as he said, knowing is half the battle. Yeah, exactly. The Packers know who they are and they know what they do. And that's half the battle. The Rams have no clue. They're trying to throw the ball deep and they're trying to do this and that. And it's just a mess. It's a mess right now. Brett in Eau Claire <laughs> says, I thought you were the guy that doesn't watch college basketball until March. And hey, no, 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 not this year, Brett. Nope, I'm a changed man. He also says, okay, I want a full breakdown of Georgia Tech's offense prior to Wednesday's game. <laughs> okay, let's. Let's calm, let's calm down. Uh, baby steps, getting back into college basketball. Mike is in downtown Madison. Mike, what's up? Hey, man, how are you? I am swell. I just had four days off, and I feel like I could do six hours of talk radio tonight.
2: How was the uh, How
1: was the Thanksgiving? Enjoy some time? Yeah, it was excellent. Uh, had ham and turkey, which is always a plus. Oh. Had some beers with friends and family. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Yeah, man. Uh I had a good Thanksgiving. I covered
2: on uh covered on two games. Didn't bet the Cowboys because I don't trust the Cowboys at all right now.
1: Smart man. Um,
2: but yeah, uh bet the early game and uh I I actually bet the plus three on Detroit and uh, they squeaked out a, a plus two, so um, and then I knew that Buffalo was gonna roll them just because they yeah. got their butt kicked a week before, so um but Packers real quick. Mm-hmm man, that game, it, you know, I don't care about the score. They controlled the entire game, no. and I couldn't agree with you more um, about the loss of identity with Sean McVay in particular. Um, you know, he got he got that team going so much with, you know, like you said, the run game and all those jet sweeps and, uh, you know, moving the O-line, moving the pocket. Um, that's his game, and it's non-existent. It's not even there.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know... I don't know, what are they trying to do? Are, because they brought in Stafford so they could push the ball down the field. And that's great, but taking deep shots only gets you so far if you can't. You know, what are you doing on first and second down? Can you run the ball a little bit? Can you find sustainable offense? That's what we talk about all the time. Can you get yourself in second and five and, and move the ball incrementally? I don't know that the Rams can do that. And their defensive line couldn't get home against, what, second and third stringers for the Packers? I, I don't know what they're doing right now. I don't know what happened to this team.
2: Well, and their offensive efficiency. I mean, I, I'm actually looking at stats right here. They were 4 of 13 on third down, 0 um, of 1 on fourth down, um, and they're, the Packers doubled them on time of possession. I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at just straight-up domination, uh, no matter what the score was, um, and I, I I, don't think there's much argument to be made right now. I think the Packers are the best team in the NFL, I and I'm biased, obviously, Yeah. Um, but I don't think – I don't see many – I don't see the flaws. You know, like yeah. you said, Aaron didn't even have the greatest day. Um, and he's still pushing the ball down the field. The, the weapons that we have at the running back position are just outstanding. Um, and just just the way that Matt LaFleur uh, really designs the offense and moves the ball, I love – I really, really love that they are this good going into the bye. Yeah with all these starters out yeah I mean these 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 second stringers are starting to look like starters they are playing at that level um and think about how valuable that is going into
1: the playoffs yeah well Mike it's outstanding I I were you a part of the show meeting today because that's exactly what i want to talk about next I want to talk about this depth and why if they can get healthy actually these injuries are kind of a blessing in disguise because it's good experience Thank you, Mike, for the call. Uh, we gotta talk Badgers basketball at some point this week because I've I promised that I'm a basketball guy now and I'm I might be over promising <laughs> a little bit, so I might need you. Thanks for the call. We
2: have we absolutely will talk Badgers basketball.
1: I'll call back. Have a good one, man. Hell yeah, that's Mike. Thank you, Mike, in downtown Madison. I love it. I absolutely love it when callers call in and they lead us into the topic that I had planned, anyways. Now I am I'm flexible. All right, I'll pivot and I'll I'll go somewhere a caller wants to go. But, you know, I take some time throughout the day, and I write down some bullet points and some things that I want to mention. Mike mentioned that he doesn't see the flaw with this team, right? Well, the only flaw might be health. And you do reach a point, I think we've been using the term critical mass, where even if you're a good team and everything's going well, I mean, if you just have too many injuries, there's not really much you can do. Ask Niners fans the last couple of years. They just haven't been able to get off the runway because of injuries. Now, I don't know if you can bank on Zedarius, Jair, and Bakhtiari all coming back. That's that's a lot. Hopefully you get two. I mean, maybe if God shines on us, we get all three. Maybe you get none. I don't know. Temper our expectations a little bit. We'll get what we can get. But in the meantime, all these guys are getting great experience, right? Rasul Douglas and uh, and Eric. I mean, Eric Stokes. This experience is invaluable for Eric Stokes. So hopefully when Jair comes back, now Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes, they, they go down a peg, they go down a roll, and they have all this great experience throughout the season. Um, and, and I think that's invaluable. All of these guys who were getting seasoned and seasoned reps, and they're still winning. They're still stacking up wins, but they're gaining experience in the second and the third string, and I think that's really important for depth, and depth is so important when you try to win in January and in the playoffs in the NFL. Scott has given us a call as well. 608-796-2558. What's up,
3: Scott? Hey, uh I know you haven't talked about the Vikings yet, but as a bitter Viking fan, I can't uh, help but jump in. Uh, I feel like they should make another category for the Oft injured at this point. There's no part of Dalvin Cook that hasn't been, uh, flailing around and causing him to fumble. It seems like every year, not only does he get hurt, but it leads to a, a game changing fumble <laughs> benefiting the other team. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, last year I think it was his knee, this time it's his shoulder. But, uh, the other guy I was thinking was Christian McCaffrey, you know, these projections for their injuries, if it's two to three weeks for, uh, Aaron Jones, he's back. If it's, two or three weeks for Christian McCaffrey. It's just put him on the IL. He's done for the year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess with all these injury discussions, I think it was good to see Aaron Jones and Rashad Gary for the Packers, who could have been on that list as well. Uh, for the Vikings, we have no hope. It'll always be hope on Dalvin Cook, and then he's gone pretty quick. So, thanks.
1: Yeah, thanks, Scott. And obviously there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, Dalvin got, got nicked up again and i never i never want to be the guy that's like well actually this injury is a blessing in disguise i know that we just said that about the packers or i'm like well actually they're getting good experience well you would rather have all these guys healthy don't get me wrong but if players are going to miss time due to injury i guess the next best thing is experience for everybody else and because the packers have been able to keep winning and it hasn't cost them at least maybe more than a win maybe minnesota i don't maybe it cost them the vikings game maybe it didn't they still could have won that game right experience is the next best thing If we're not going to be healthy with the Vikings, man, if you just throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, you win. And I know Dalvin Cook's really good, but I think sometimes they give him the ball a little bit too much. That doesn't mean that him getting hurt is a good thing. Um, But if Justin Jefferson gets more targets, I mean, you could be in a worse spot. And I like Alexander Madison, obviously just Dalvin Cook's better. Again, I want to reiterate that injuries are never a good thing for fantasy football. This Dalvin Cook injury has weird implications. And we never really talk about fantasy on the show because I'm not a fantasy expert. I'm just some idiot that has fun playing like everybody else. But think of McCaffrey, who's now done for the year. Derrick Henry, who's done for at least the fantasy year. Alvin Kamara, who's missed time. And now Dalvin Cook, who's going to miss, you know, three to four weeks. Maybe he avoids an IL stint. Maybe not our IR. Sorry, I get those wrong. So your top four running backs. I remember in our draft, we had a guy who took Austin Eckler, I think third or fourth. And we were giving him... So much crap, and we did for weeks. He might have been right, and I, I'm too, I'm not big enough of a man to apologize. I think I'm, I'm just gonna hope that he loses in the first round, and then we'll make fun of him, anyways, for that Eckler pick. But man, what a weird year in fantasy football, especially at the top with these running backs. I mean, Aaron Jones is now missing little time. Everybody's getting hurt, and I'm not gonna mention the players who aren't getting hurt because the ones that are left, I'm not trying to jinx. Uh, I'm not gonna be responsible for any of that. I actually want to talk about the Badgers for a couple of minutes when we come back. And I got a text from Jeff and Altoona who wants to talk about that. Obviously, we'll get back to the Packers. That's the big focus of today's show. But if we didn't talk about the Axe game, I just, I wouldn't be doing my job. So we're going to do that coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Sports Show. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. A couple of closing thoughts on the Packers. I do want to do college football for a couple of minutes. And then it's m- mostly Packers the rest of the way. So if you're like, I don't want to do college football, we'll just chill, okay? We're going to do it for 10 minutes, and then we're going to get back to the Packers. So just hang in there. We'll be fine. It's not like we're doing college basketball or golf or regular season NBA. Zach and Wisco says the depth of the Packers roster is a testament to the job. Brian Gutekunst is done. We could have 12 to 14 undrafted free agents at the bottom of the roster like we had under Ted. But now we have low-cost guys that are playing hard on other teams. Yeah, I'm not going to use this as a way to slander Ted Thompson. Goody's done a good job. Rasul Douglas has been... He just competes. He'll give up a D-ball here and there. But he has... Oh, this is the most unscientific term. He has moxie. He has zing. And he has pep. And for a guy who's ideally your fourth string corner, I'll take Zim or Zing and Pep. Excuse me. Can't get my words out. Yeah, not exactly uh, the most scientific term, but he just, he's got pop. You just see it with him. I thought I had a cut of Kenny Clark talking about Rasul Douglas. Did I save it? Oh, yep. Here it is. Look at me. I'm all organized. Kenny Clark talking about Rasul Douglas. One of those editions. One of those additions. Of Brian Gutekunst that Zach tweets me about. He's just the guy that love the way he prepares and how he goes about his business
3: uh, each and every day. Uh, you can tell he's always locked in. You know, just mentally, love where he where he's at mentally and what he brings to our team. And I mean, he, he's just been balling. He's a baller. He's a baller, man. That's that's all I can say. You know, since day one, you know, he's been he's been hungry and uh, excited about you know being on his team and playing with us.
1: Baller, another really scientific term. See, there are some players that you can't use analytical scientific. He has good technique. Well, I, I don't know if he has good technique, but when I watch him, I think, okay, there's something there. It's, it's a personality trait, not so much a statistic, and I think Kenny Clark kind of hits on that as well. I don't know. If you're a football coach, you're probably listening, thinking this dude's an idiot. Well, sorry. It's just the way that my brain works, the way that I see things. College football. A lot of good games this weekend. I like rivalry weekend. There's, there are weekends where, other than the Badgers, I don't watch any college football just because I, I need a moment to myself. I'm not Zach Heilprin. I'm not a superhuman. I, I can't do all of this. I need a moment here and there. And then there's some weekends where I'll watch a lot of games. And this is always one because the matchups are so much fun, right? Michigan, Ohio State. Good for Michigan. I'm a big Upper Peninsula guy. Love it up there. So good for Michigan. That counts. I have no love for Ohio or Ohio State. I loved what he said about Ryan Day. Says some guys are born on third base and I think they hit a triple. I'm like, okay, well... He, you beat him in what? Your sixth or seventh attempt here. Maybe let's calm down in the trash talk a little bit. You, you know what? Actually, it's your day. Talk talk your smack. I'm I'm good with it from Jim Harbaugh. Good for Michigan. Auburn, Alabama. We had a little scare there. I'm glad Bama won, actually, because that means they're, they're, they're going to get in. Even if they lose in the SEC championship game, they're going to get in. What I didn't want was a multi-loss Alabama team on the bubble. And now the decision is, well, do we take a two or three-loss Bama team if they lose to Georgia in the SEC title game? Do we put them in over undefeated Cincinnati? I would have hated that. Just put it. Just put them in. Just put them all the way in. Just slide them in, lock it down, and then we can figure out that last spot and it won't be between Bama with a couple of losses and undefeated Cincinnati or, or whatever. I'm actually glad. It's cleaner that way. The Egg Bowl. I just like Lane Kiffin. So that was a blast and a half to watch. Also, it's called the Egg Bowl, which is funny. And it's between Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, who are just hilarious college football personalities. The Badgers also played... Um. Yeah, they did. If you put a gun to my head right now and asked me what the final score of that game was, I would not get it if you gave me 10 tries. 23-13. Yeah, lost at TCF Bank. Is it still TCF Bank? I think they changed it, didn't they? Let me see here. It's at the bottom. I'll scroll down. Ah, Huntington Bank Stadium. Big Finance Stadium. TCF to old HB. Huntington Bank Stadium, 23-13. I'll just find a silver lining here to quote P.J. Fleck. Feels good to be co-Big Ten West runners-up. It really does with the gulfs. The Iowa, headed, Iowa Hawkeyes are headed to Indy. You remember that quote from PJ Fleck a couple of years ago? I think I saved it here somewhere. Oh, yeah, here it is. We don't get to go to Indy, but we're co-Big Ten West champions. We talked to our seniors and use the quote, those who stay will be champions. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. We may. We might, Badgers fans, we might not be headed to Indy, but you know what? We're co-Big Ten runners-up me fit myself for a ring please and thank you let's hold our heads high you know to be to be objective here uh what a disaster what a damn disaster i love paul chris but that may have been his worst game at wisconsin i understand the illinois game was bad i'd rather lose to illinois as bad as illinois has been i'd rather lose to illinois than lose to minnesota i would rather lose to western kentucky than lose to minnesota And I, on Saturday, I wasn't that angry. I wasn't upset. And I would imagine that there are Badger alums, there are Wisconsin fans and former players that that were offended by that. And that's something we talked about with Zach last Friday, how much this rivalry means to those especially really close to the program. This means the world. I'm not going to pretend this means the world to me, but PJ Fleck drives me up a wall. And I don't want to see that man succeed in anything, let alone winning the Axe game. I think this is Paul Christ's worst game at Wisconsin. Now, maybe some Badger expert, maybe we could ask Ben Kenny, and he would be like, well, that one game against B well, maybe the BYU game, I don't know. But in recent memory and off the top of my dome, I'm labeling this the worst game in the Paul Christ era. I kept on offense waiting for the counter or the wrinkle or the adjustment or the switch up, and it literally never happened. They, if what felt like, ran the same three plays into a wall and just waited for the game to end. I'm sure that's not what they did. But to me, as a fan, sitting at home watching on TV, it looked like they tried to run the same three or four plays for three straight hours, and just, they were like, well, this ain't working, but this is what we planned on. So there were no sweeps. There were no counters. There's no tight end leak. There's nothing. It was just line it up, and we'll just see if we can't win a boring football game. I was waiting for something, and I, I talk about this offensive staff and Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph. Always. At the end of the year, they seem like they got it figured out. The Orange Bowl is a great example, or even the Pinstripe Bowl, where they show up and you're seeing things being pulled out of the bag. It's like, where did this come from? You know, they had this in the playbook. They must have drawn this up in the locker room before the game. They would bust things out, they would get creative, they would really empty the chamber at the end of the year. On Saturday, the opposite of whatever that is. They, they burned three-quarters of the playbook, and they're like, we're going to run plays off these two pages. And if they don't work, well, then, damn it, I guess we'll just go home without the X. Like, that's what it looked like. And again, I know I'm not an educated, studied football coach, lifer that's been an assistant and an offensive coordinator and bounced around. That's not my perspective. I give you my perspective as a fan and as someone who obviously watches all these games and talks about it. That's what it felt like and looked like to me. They showed up, they tried the, four, the same four or five plays, and they didn't work, and they had nothing else to go to. And they talked about Minnesota and the way that they defended the Badgers' offense and the run game, and I read and I heard that Minnesota showed all these new, unscouted looks and run blitzes that worked really well and the Badgers weren't prepared for. Look, I get it. Minnesota busted out something new. But why is that surprising? Oh, Minnesota emptied the chamber to stop the Wisconsin running game? Wow. knock me over with a feather. That is shocking that they tried everything in the kitchen sink to stop Braylon Allen. That's what any smart team would do against the Badgers for the last 15 years. You got to stop the run. So you were shocked that Minnesota sold out to stop the run? That's just, oh, it's so frustrating. It's gross. It's bad offense. And against the defense, it's not even that good. My two cents right there on the Badgers and their game against Minnesota. Now, here's what I want to pose to you. And this might not be a question that we finish today. We might come back to this tomorrow or at some point this week. Maybe we'll get Zach or Ben Kenny or maybe we'll get our old friend Jesse Temple who joined the show once upon a time, who I thought his write-up was really good. And it's it's from that write-up that I pulled this idea and this question. By the way, he's at the Athletic Read. It's piece. It's really good. Here's the question. The Badgers overcame a 1-3 start, which is the worst start they've had since Barry Alvarez's first season in 1990. So we're talking 31 years ago. They overcame a 1-3 start to win seven straight. They got in a spot where they controlled their own destiny to win the West, to make it to Indy, to the Big Ten Championship game. They beat Iowa along the way. They beat Purdue in impressive fashion. They hung blow for blow with Nebraska. And they routed Rutgers and some of the bad teams they played along the way too, which is an important part in college football. Not every team you play is going to be great, but when you play one of those bad teams, can you rock them, right? Can you show how much better you are? The Badgers did all of those things. So my question to you, after Saturday, does any of that matter to you at all? Because I'll be honest, it really doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not going to look back at the season and think, wow, it was really impressive the way that they started slow, but they figured it out and they won seven in a row. I I don't care. Sorry, all of that is meaningless now, which is, I think, the brutal reality of college football. Now, I'm not a college football or playoff or, or college football playoff or bust guy. Like, there are some college football fans As soon as their team is no longer eligible for the college football playoff, they're out. Oh, it doesn't matter anymore. They'll go to some dumb bowl game. Look, I can get excited about the Rose Bowl. I can get excited about the prospect of making a Big Ten championship game, even if I don't think we're going to win. I can get excited about all that stuff. But if you win seven in a row and figure it out and play a little bit better every week and really improve and improve and improve, and then you get to the end of the season and you play what I believe to be the worst game in the Paul Christ era, I I don't think the offensive coaching staff has done a worse job in any one singular game. I get there's Illinois. I get there's BYU. That that was it. That was the ticket right there. And that seven game winning streak those last two months. I'm not gonna lie, I don't really, I don't really care. That just, that really means nothing to me. You might feel differently. We all fan in different ways. Now they'll probably go to some. I don't know what, what bowl they're gonna end up in. Somebody somebody has to follow this more closely than me. Are they gonna go to the Mayo Bowl again? The, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and that'll be fun, and I'll watch it. But in the grand scheme of things. This season is now kind of... It's not for nothing. It's not meaningless. But I don't really care that they won seven straight and they really figured it out this year only to fall flat on their face in their most important game of the season. That's that's a bummer. And it really threw away... I guess we had fun along the way. Don't get me wrong. But really, really poor performance. And disappointing for a team that has shown the last couple years they figured out at the end. That offensive staff... We see their best stuff at the end of the year, and it's like they went backwards. It's like that was a preseason game. That's how it looked. Maybe they tried a bunch of crazy things and it just didn't work, but if they did, they did a really good job of hiding it. 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. Coach Wench asks, what's my problem with P.J. Fleck? Ah, we don't need to get into it. Uh, that's. It's just going to sound like me whining. Uh, it's the same with Paul Allen last week. I, I don't know either one of them personally. I hear enough things, I can form my own conclusions. I'm just not a big, not a big P.J. Fleck guy. If you're a P.J. Fleck guy, cool. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Uh, We don't need to get into it. Let's take a break. We're going to hear from Mike Clemens, get an update on Packers-Rams after yesterday. Remember, he'll join us tomorrow at 5.30, but we'll get his update and his report from Green Bay coming up next.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers with an impressive win, 36-28 over the Los Angeles Rams. Green Bay had nearly 400 yards total offense, dominated the time of possession, and by the third quarter led 36-17. Aaron Rodgers praised Matt LaFleur's game plan.
3: Matt did a good job of mixing up what we were doing on offense and allowing me to get the ball out quickly. Devontae made a number of plays. Randall had some big plays early in the game. And then we got enough contributions from, you know, from Marquez and A.J. In,
2: in the passing game. The
0: Packers made big plays, a 54-yard pass to Randall Cobb, a 43-yard chunk play to Devontae Adams.
2: I feel like that's a really critical game just for the you know the flow, the momentum of, of that team. And it's, it's just great to capitalize, man, in front of these fans. They were loud all night. It was a, it was a real enjoyable uh, environment.
0: Running back A.J. Dillon had 20 carries, five catches for a total of 90 yards and a touchdown.
2: I mean, the O-line played unreal unreal um you know they don't get all that credit it's not it's not the headline um but those big boys up front man uh that's one of the best d lines in football
0: the rams having come back from their bye, have now lost three in a row to the titans the 49ers and now green bay head coach sean mcveigh
1: a lot of the same narratives uh, we've, we've turned the ball over too many times you can't get behind against a good football team like that I do love the way that our guys continue to battle. You know, we've got to stop with some of these self-inflicted wounds.
0: So the Rams fall to 7-4 and four with games against Jacksonville and then Arizona. The Packers improved to 9-3 and three and head into the bye before hosting the Bears in two weeks. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur.
1: Our guys stayed focused and we talked about emptying the tank. And I think we're at a point where everybody's pretty exhausted. But
0: it definitely feels good going into the bye week on a win. Best Packers coverage.
1: Mike Clemens will join us tomorrow at 5.30. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeClemensNFL for more Johnny on the Spot reporting. Appreciate Mike and everything he does. He was sending me audio at 3.45 in the morning, which, of course, I was awake prepping the show. When Mike's awake, I'm, I'm awake, too. I'm, I'm always working. In fact, I didn't sleep at all last night. I was up. I, I watched the game three times and the All-22 film. And, uh, bro, yeah, of course. No, Mike is a machine. And we appreciate the work that he does all across our network. 608-796-2558 is the talking text line. We can spend a couple more minutes on the Badgers. There's no use in getting into something new before we got to take a break at 5 o'clock. They won seven in a row after starting one in three. Their worst start in 30 years. Got to a point where they controlled their own destiny to win the West. They beat Iowa, Purdue, Nebraska, And they just had to beat Minnesota not only to keep the axe, but make it to Indy for the Big Ten title game. And they fell flat on their face. So my question to you, does any of that matter to you after Saturday? They won seven in a row after starting poorly, and they got better, and they seemed to figure it out, and and everybody really came together, and they got better and better and improved week by week, and they really impressed us. And then, does any of it matter? After what happened on Saturday when they lost, I totally know the score off the top of my head. Super memorable game. uh, 23-13, yep, at Huntington Bank Stadium. No longer TCF, which I did not know until Saturday. A couple of people have humored me and answered this question. Brett in Eau Claire says it's meaningless because the problems from the 1-3 and start came back to bite them. In terms of bowl, uh, at best, Outback Bowl, and worst, Las Vegas Bowl. Well, the Outback Bowl could be okay. Wasn't it the Gophers that made rings for the Outback Bowl a couple of years ago? Did they beat Auburn? Who did they beat in the Outback Bowl? So that's, that's a bowl. They give rings out for that one. So if we end up in the Outback Bowl, that'll be that'll be nice. Walter says, how about the indecision to go for it on fourth and one? Then a delay a game. Then a timeout to ultimately go for it. That wrapped up the game perfectly. Yeah, I think that really soured me on Paul Crist, too. One of the things that I wrote down on Saturday, and I don't typically take a lot of notes during Padger games because we... Talk a lot more about the Packers. Don't get me wrong, but Saturday's a rivalry game, and it's the last regular season game now until bowl season. They won't be playing in the Big Ten title game this weekend in Indy. The one thing I did write down, I think that was Paul Chriss' worst game as a coach of the Badgers. I was waiting for the wrinkle. I was waiting for the adjustment, for the misdirection. I was waiting for something, and it never came. Just never, I mean... And yeah, the fourth down play was... And he said after the game, that was all on me. He never should have even pondered punting in the first place. To quote Paul Allen, why do you even ponder passing? You can take a knee and try a 56-yard field goal, right? Like, I don't even know why he considered punting in the first place. Just bring out three or four extra offensive linemen. You know, you got them on the bench. You you got a whole room of them back there. Just waiting, ready to go. Oh, that was frustrating. Uh, Duck and Holman brings up another good call, uh, That I cannot repeat. He says the targeting call to start the game was BS. Yeah, but that's college football. I feel like we do that once a weekend. Literally, if and you probably watch a lot more college football than me. Most people do. I watch the Badgers and then maybe one other game a weekend. I stay up to date with the rankings and who's moving around where, but I don't grind film on college football. And once a weekend, without fail, you will see a play like that and the announcers say the same thing every time. Yes, it should be a penalty. No, he shouldn't be ejected. There needs to be a line of demarcation that says, okay, yes, you hit him in the head, and yes, you should be penalized for that, but there was no intent there. You weren't trying to hurt the guy. You get to stay in the game. Imagine being a sixth-year senior, a fifth-year senior, whatever he was. I think it was Colin Wilder who got ejected, right? And you come up and make a routine tackle, but because the running back lowers their head for some reason, your shoulder pad hits it, and all of a sudden you can't play in what's going to be one of the last and one of the most important games. It's your senior axe game, and you get kicked out. Yeah, I would whine and I would complain about this, but this happens to a team in every game, every weekend. It sucks, and they need to fix it. That being said, the NFL doesn't do a great job with the head-to-head or helmet. Like nobody has a good handle on any of this. Football's a tough rule to or a tough sport to officiate. But that one seems like an easy one. Is it targeting? We're trying to hurt this guy, or is it simply? my shoulder pad bumped into his helmet because it's a really fast physical game and that's the way that it went. Yes, it's going to be a penalty, but also I deserve to not be kicked out of the game. Really dumb. I agree, Duck. And thank you for bringing that up because I forgot about that. That play happened and then we had to watch three hours of terrible football after it. So i had almost blocked that out of my mind. Thank you for bringing it up. Let's get an update from our good, good friend, Zach Heilprin, the Wisconsin Zone Network. And then we'll come back going to restart the show a little bit and talk Packers Rams. Stick around.